Today's episode is brought to you by Gooder, G-O-O-D-R. Gooder makes $25 active sunglasses for anyone. Their golf sunglasses specifically are polarized. They're lightweight. They're comfortable. They don't move when you swing. And like I said, they start at $25. I can't recommend them enough. It's amazing how many people I encounter, uh, friends, wives of friends, that have multiple pairs of gooders. They'll leave one pair in the car, so they always have it there. They'll leave one pair in a bag or a purse. You could buy a pair, leave them in your golf bag. Just a perfect way to go about it. They're 100% UV protective, 100% polarized. They offer HD contrast and performance without the hefty price tag. You get free U.S. standard shipping on all orders over $50, 30-day free returns, one-year warranty, So I urge you right now, if you're in need of sunglasses or know somebody that is, to try out Gooder sunglasses. Treat yourself to a pair or two. Go to Gooder.com, G-O-O-D-R.com. You can get 15% off your entire order using the code TRAPDRAW, all one word, at checkout. All orders over $50 get free shipping in the United States, and that's 15% off with code TRAPDRAW at www.goodr.com. Look good, golf gooder. Thank them for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is Randy. I am joined once again by Tron Carter, Mr. TC. Hello, sir. How are you today? Oh, I'm great, Randy. We got some weather rolling through Jack's the next few days. I'm still recovering from the weekend's festivities. And uh, yeah, we got a lot going on in the world. A lot going on. A lot to talk about. Yeah. Uh, congrats on your your best man duties. We'll get into Neil's wedding here a little bit, but uh, I know that's probably a, a stressful weekend for you in a lot of ways. So, uh, but, but yeah, the weather cooperated and, you know, things things went off without a hitch. So good. Uh, and joining us, he's in Florida. I don't know. Right, if, right across from me right I now. I know. He's in the kill house. I don't know if this is his first player's. But it's Mr. Cody, Cody McBride, host of Downrange, a No Laying Up podcast. Seek it out. It's wonderful. Cody, sir, how are you today? Great, big greetings from the kill house. I'm still living my Florida man life. This is this is certainly not your first kill house. This is not my first kill house. Although you call it a shoot house. Well, yeah, yeah, this this would be a shoot house. Shout out Uh, to the cat. I'm still living this Florida man life. I'm getting plenty of sun. It's going to, you know, that's that's ending here pretty abruptly. You went running uh, on the beach yesterday. Right? Oh, oh, my getting, gosh. Listen, I'm sticking to my goals. been getting my workouts in. Got a little sugar cookie action going yesterday. Um, had a nice little beach stroll. 
need you using Big's uh, paddleboard. That Take he left the paddleboard out. Yeah. Take the paddleboard. Do you know Go. what else I was going to say? Not just the paddleboard, but uh, people have been telling me about this super green action. Not to, not to give it like a little, little free drop here, but these boys have been then all over it saying that you've been up in all your, your vitamin intake. What's going on? You just Man- getting more greens in your life? Manganese. Yeah. Thiamine. B6, B12. High on his zinc. I, I may have started a, a green powder regimen. Uh, you know, Cody, you, 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 you're the one that pounds it into all of us to, to take our vitamins each day. So vitamin, that sounded a little weird to take your vitamins every day. <laughs> it's key. Very important here, people. And again, I'll say this. If you're not taking a daily multivitamin, there's something to matter with you. It's, it's I'm, a, not, I'm not taking a daily multi. There's something the matter with you, TC. Well, of course, there's there's always been something. Uh, Cody, do you prefer the chewy kind or just the the swallow with some water? Uh, very much a, a chewy boy. Uh, I'm I'm a, every, the last time I said this to you, everybody's like, "What vitamins do you take? Give us recommendations." <laughs> I put some stuff out there. Uh, you know, for a while I was taking uh my daily multivitamin. They were chewy. They they seem to be covered in so much like of the fake sugar stuff that I just couldn't take it anymore. But do you ever do juice plus? No, what's my that? mom always gave us those when we were growing up, Neil and I, it was like, uh, you know, it was just like your daily serving of vegetables and fruits and, and chewy. Things. Somewhat. I, I growing up, I think my mom was buying these powder vitamins that you would kind of mix all together in a cup. And some of them would like foam up. And it was a very weird, interesting concoction that who knows where she actually bought it from. Kind of like the line of, of pampered chef or any other yeah. traveling salesman thing. I think she got it from one of her friends who was hawking that stuff, but I grew up taking that stuff and then, then moved on to, uh, then you moved on to MREs. Well, MREs, <laughs> that's a different story like that. all together. Right. Yeah. You know, it's weird because, uh, in the vitamin world, like you start out with something and then all of a sudden you like regress into like back into Flintstones. And then all of a sudden you find something else and you're like, Oh, okay. These are actual, adult version so hey i take my men's multivitamin i'm all over it i feeling great beach run was good i'm a little sore from it you know that sand even though it's compressed down there still beats you up but of course i'm staying on top of it you know this is i was gonna say this this was how it started for neil you know he came down for a players and oh, no, this no, no. this same then he never left for two years yeah uh, that would be like a pending divorce i don't think the wife uh, or kids would appreciate that. Well, so, you could move down here. That, yeah, you know the I had the entire family down for the wedding last weekend. We loved it. Uh, the Airbnb that we had was questionable, but outside of that, it was great. It, it provided uh, everything that we needed. Got tons of beach time. We crushed ice cream and uh, you know frozen ice everywhere we went. But it's it's just a blast. I think it's one of those things where like you know I look at this place as. I get to come down here every once in a while for for work, but we're always doing fun things. We're playing golf. We're seeing different places. We're just kind of based out of here to go travel to other locations. And I think you forget that like this, this is like a vacation spot. So it was nice to take advantage of said vacation spot. It's a great vacation spot. I, I think I think if you moved your family down right now while Neil's away for two weeks out of the country, like what's his he has no legal recourse. You, you could totally just Kick him out of the kill house. Uh, Neil's he's got rent. no physical recourse. What's he going to do to you? I, I, I would Although make a play. State, and then, but you would put him in really, really bad shape with the state of New York. <laughs> that is true. That's true. That's true. That's true. He, we wouldn't want to do that. He's squatting here. So, yeah, you're right. If I just kind of push him out. But, you know, <laughs> like, 
they they were so kind in that uh you know they they left they went on their honeymoon carson did did the sheets they made the, the changes of sheets out <laughs> i had towels folded not just on the end of the bed but they left extra ones in the bathroom for me it's it's been amazing and, and i think it's funny because from the outside looking into the kill house everybody kind of looks at it and you're like oh that's just like you know you see the studio from live shows or podcasts or something like that. The residence is very nice. But the residence of it is very not. It's 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 very homey um, in certain spots. Now, when you're downstairs, like sleeping, like watching TV on the couch, and you look over and there's like a picture of Solly's face and sure and DJ on pillows, just kind of like staring at you. You're like, ah, it's kind of it's kind of weird. But the or like actual Jordan, Jordan Spieth. As, yes, as, of you course. Know, Adam, Adam and God. Yes. Or saving grace. Um, but yeah, like it's it's amazing. Could not be more excited. Big, how was your trip to and from Jax? Pretty uneventful, which is the way we like it. I'm trying to think the trip into Jax. I I flew United. I was on a direct. Pretty good experience. Not nothing, nothing really to complain about. I do have some bones to pick with United at Denver Airport. Just the whole check-in area. There's yeah, so much going on. And nobody knows kind of out of what the line they should be in. And I, you know, I have a bone to pick with the Amex lounge in the Denver airport. It's totally oversubscribed. Like you almost have to make a reservation at this point. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, Amex has gotten greedy. They're, they're, <laughs> they're taking way too much. You know, they either need to up the fees or right. you know, trim the fat a little bit. And then on the way out of Jack's, I, I was on Delta guys, huge, huge uh, rideshare shortage around the Jacksonville area, which I think is going to play a big role this weekend with everybody in town for the players. My surge pricing, right? Yeah, I got it. Well, no, no, no. There just aren't drivers because God, my black car driver spent 35 minutes giving me the rundown. He, he had like four screens up front. He was like showing me the back end of the Uber operation. I think Uber... They've changed the rules for how they pay drivers. And because of the Jacksonville land area, it's so spread out. It's, it's um, been bad for a market like Jacksonville. It's not worth it for people as gas increases. So there just yeah. aren't any drivers. And uh, Randy, it'll be a problem this week. Our guy Pipe. I know. Uh, our, our college yeah, our roommate. Yeah, Which leads me into, I, I want to start that new miniseries. The, uh, the yeah. Uber miniseries. What channel is that on? I think it's. HBO or HBO, I want to say home box office or one of the HBO networks, maybe in the family. But yeah, anyway, good wedding. Like I said, we were all in town for Neil's wedding. Um, TC gave a hell of a hell of a speech. Um, I winged it. I was impressed. I'm not a good public speaker. Uh, I've gotten better at it just because, you know, talking to a microphone, thousands of people listen to it, but I never get to allegedly. So, you know. Getting up in front of 225 people, you know, a little bit nerve wracking. I went up, I, I wrote a bunch of stuff out earlier in the week uh, and, and woke up on Saturday morning and said, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the notes. I'm just going to, I'm going to wing it. I'm going <laughs> to do it live. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that, that was, you know, thought uh, Neil's uh, father-in-law, Pete, he did a great job. Clayton. Maid of Honor did a, did a uh, wonderful job. And then, uh, you know, uh, we had a nice, uh, I thought we were going to get, you know, some bad luck on the weather. Like the forecast was great. Um, uh, you know, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Friday night, this, that East wind rolls in. 
uh, off the uh, off the Atlantic Ocean marine layer comes in and we were just socked in and then it burned off by like 10 a.m. Saturday morning went and uh, went and took the took a, a plunge in the ocean kind of cleared the system out Randy I got an albatross I uh, I know you're feeling a, do you have do you feel a little scummy about it you want to tell the people it was probably four, 480 yards par five pars are relevant though um normally plays into the wind and then you know it's kind of well protected up the left side small green and uh you know cody was cody was standing there right next to me kind of knocked knocked one down i was like oh that's that's a really good shot and then takes like two bounces and we couldn't tell if it disappeared or if it went long or whatever and i was like i think that's gonna be pretty good the the report is you 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 hit driver eight iron and I know you're against bombing gouge, I, but that's, I did that's a little like, concerning. I did T- hit, TC's got speed. What are you talking about? I, I did hit like a 325, 330 yard. <laughs> so uh, it was a, it was a, it was roasted. I was roasting the driver all day. Yeah, he hit it really good. So and then yeah, I got to play with uh, Cody and uh, RC Kunk, who's been a guest on the show before. Yeah, check and, out uh, who was striping one of the it. Columbus episodes. And then uh, and then my uncle Tom. Uh, who who served in the military uh, with distinction, and it was great to listen to his conversation with Cody back and forth. Cody, have you done? Have you jumped in the ocean yet? Yeah, I've, I've been in the ocean before. <laughs> no, I mean on your trip, like as you're staying in Jack. You had right to now. with the, with like your daughters I, were in the ocean at like seven a.m. on I Friday had, morning. I had the littles. Uh, we had plenty of beach time. You know, the first uh, morning. Well, we came in late one night, but the next morning, you know, they're so excited to get go down to the beach. We go down there, it's it probably 70 degrees outside. I'm like, okay, this isn't that bad, you know. They, of course, want to get in the water. We go down and I touch the water. It's freezing cold, freezing cold. And these girls stayed in the water for probably four hours. It was little, incredible. Little kids can put up with cold. I, yeah. I just think after your beach run, if, if the sun is out, man, jumping in that ocean right now, it's getting it's, the lactic uh, acid out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a yeah. good temperature. It's very refreshing. Yeah. I, I would um, encourage you to do that. No, I agree. That's something that, you know, RC was, was getting deep into me about too. So I got to <laughs> add, add more ice bass to my regiment. Uh, big news out of the Ponte Drinking Club. They said, they said this was the highest consumption wedding on a per person basis they've ever had, or like highest consumption event on a per person basis they've ever had. Now, a lot of that was probably Neil's, Neil's Columbia buddies, Mills and Kurt and Ross and Evan. I don't know Nico about that. and all those guys. The, the Schuster clan rolls pretty deep. So Schuster's in the conks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it was an impressive sight to see. Yeah, that's good work. And I will say Neil's Columbia friends are they're savages. <laughs> they, they like the party. A lot of a lot of they're Saint, like they're all like crazy. St. X Cincinnati. Uh, I, my dad sang the St. X fight song at the rehearsal dinner during his speech. Yeah. It was disgusting. So, uh, no, it was a great wedding. Um, gorgeous. I was probably the, it was probably the, like the most beautiful setting I think I've ever been in for a yeah. wedding. Sure. Um, just a magical evening. So anyway, Neil and Neil and Carson flew to, uh, Buenos Aires, um, Buenos Aires, uh, yesterday or two days ago, Monday evening, if they flew Delta one, actually i can't wait to hear the report back for my, my true hitters at delta he sent he sent a couple pictures and he said this is like this is this is it man i said all right well you know we'll have to compare notes on united versus delta 
then they're going to Patagonia for, for a week and then they're going to the lake country for nice. A bit. So good for them. Uh, we got to, we're, we're going to, let's hit on some, some very important news of the day. And then, uh, Cody, we talked to you a couple of weeks ago, man. I I'd love to talk about this Ukraine situation. Um, and, and we can dive into that then in the second half. So TC, I don't want this to be lost in the shuffle. We need to talk about yeah. your boy, Hugh Jackson at Grambling. Your boy. He was and, a longtime Bengals and, coach. And the, and the stunt he tried to pull, bringing in Art Bryles as his wow. offensive coordinator. It was the like ultimate you know, Friday night news dump uh, when they fired Bryles. Uh, or Bryles resigned, I guess. But uh, but yeah, I mean Bryles. We don't have to. We've gone over it ad nauseum. Let, let me let me read you what the NCAA had to say about Art Bryles from their investigation back in when he was the head coach of Baylor. I, quoting the NCAA investigation, the head coach Bryles failed to meet even the basic expectations of how a person should react to the kind of conduct at issue in this case. Furthermore, as a campus leader, the head coach is held to an even higher standard. He completely failed to meet this standard. However, still quoting the NCAA, there is no linkage between this conduct and level one or level two NCAA violations. It's a which, bad reflection on your on your guy Ken Starr, who was there at Baylor during, it's, during his his time as well. I mean, it's it's so funny that the NCAA, the the you know the leadership organization of college athletics, you have a coach that pretty willfully sounds like uh, lack of institutional control at me. best turns a blind eye to some very serious sexual uh, assault allegations and happenings at his university but the ncaa saying sorry what do you want us to do we can't what are we supposed to do punish this person um, god forbid like like it's not you know it's not some ticky tack violation of this right. tourism it's actual like federal and in criminal crimes Yes. And, and, and they're like, oh, no, like, that's totally fine. Like, call, text, text a recruit during the wrong time frame. The NCAA can get you for that. But, you know, totally ignore and even cover up sexual assault. Yeah, sorry. Nothing we can do here. And, and Hugh Jackson, I mean, just like he's always been kind of a shit bag. Uh, I think, you know, like everybody said, like Hugh Jackson loves him. some Hugh Jackson, uh, he was with the he was with the, the Bengals coordinator for a while obviously he had his stint with the browns uh, raiders for a bit he was with the yeah. falcons he was like falcons wide receivers coach for a bit uh pretty good offensive mind too and just just uh yeah just a scumbag overall so i think when doug williams came out against it that was when things kind of started to, to turn i mean let's right? be honest yeah doug williams is, is grambling like is football grambling. yeah um, um but just just announcing they they literally announced the hire of bryles uh, right after Russia invaded Ukraine. So the whole world is focused on that. Grambling tries to sneak through this, this announcement. Uh, don't make Bryles available for any media, except I think he had to sit down with like one local television station. And then he, he obviously to sit down with uh, Chip and Joanne down there. <laughs> he should have. And then obviously people are like, what the hell are you guys doing? Um, I'll tell you who did a great job shining a light on it and really like stirring up the fervor was uh, Richard Johnson. One of my favorite follows on, on Twitter uh, at RJ underscore rights um, used to be with every day should be Saturday and, and, and those guys. And then um, uh, he's, he's with sports illustrated sec network now, but he's a great follow uh, big, big, big Jack's guy as well. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but yeah he really like you know kind of made them show their asses and then and then you get the you know, Hugh, Hugh Jackson, Jackson Foundation. Foundation. Incredible. Uh, and, you know, and basically admitting to uh, to tax fraud, right? Uh, it was like tax fraud adjacent. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was the type of the Hugh Jackson Foundation steps in and, you know, pens this whole release about, you know, let's not let's forgive and forget and you know, let let he who cast the first stone. Yeah, just like, you know, uh, they said something about like, you know, talking about this just makes people re-victimized and re-traumatized. And, you know, yes. essentially they were trying to like turn Bryles into a victim. Yeah. 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 Like, guys, let's let's let things lay. And people are like, what the hell are you talking about? And then people are like, what the hell is the Hugh Jackson Foundation, which apparently they took in like one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars and paid out like a couple hundred or maybe a couple thousand to like if one employee. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're supposed to be against like fighting the fight against human trafficking. Yeah. Which, you know, it's just like, holy shit, guys. Does anybody realize the just the the irony and and cynicism at work here? Yeah. And then, yeah, they're basically saying how Hugh Jackson, you know, doesn't you know, he's he's funded a lot of it. Himself. He's funded a lot of the foundation <laughs> work himself, like the work that they're not doing, basically right. like just writing a check, you know, like basically diverting a bunch of his salary into this tax exempt organization and then, and then paying it out to basically one employee without actually doing any work. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I think whether it's like against, I, who knows what tax code I'm, I'm not, I'm not versed in that, but people are like, uh, this should absolutely be audited though. Can, like, can we red flag this for an audit right now? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it comes to a head four days later, predictably, most predictable thing ever, February 28th, Bryles, in fact, will not uh, be a, the offensive coordinator at Grambling. So, uh, you know, big news in the HBCU world, too. Dion, uh, as first intimated by our own uh, correspondent, Bunky Perkins, on the Trap Draw podcast, uh, Dion Sanders down at Jackson State, he, he had a couple toes amputated. What, uh, what, what happened? It's some sort of blood clot issue. And, and uh, you know, back when, like, we talked to Bunky a couple months ago, or I talked to Bunky a couple months ago on this, and he had kind of intimated that, like, Dion almost lost his leg. So, hmm. crazy. Best of luck to Coach Prime. Keeping in college athletics, did you see the Wagner-Bryant game last night? <laughs> well, I didn't see the game, but I saw the, the, the fight that broke out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Bryant, you know. Uh, well, can we call it a brawl? I, I actually, I, I don't feel comfortable saying it was, it was a, a brawl. It was, it was a little brouhaha, maybe. And, uh, you know, there was there was some some, you know, co-eds up there. And uh, first of all, I was not familiar with either of these universities. Bryant, <laughs> I, I guess, is, is in central Rhode Island. Wagner is on Staten Island. I wasn't Oof. aware that there was an institution of higher learning on Staten Island. Uh, Wagner was was the home team. And yeah, it was it was, you know, it was rough. So apparently the Bryant student section was like right up against and, and behind the, the Wagner, like friends and family section, which as, as Bryant absolutely keistered Wagner, you, you can imagine how that went. And I think that was, I, I don't really know what the exact impetus, but I'm sure some words were exchanged and then some beverages thrown. And I think, you know, one kid, got hit in the face it yeah it just it got a little ugly there for a second but and then uh uh 
trying to think what else. Your your guys at Gonzaga, uh, your guy Chet Holmgren. They they won the West. Tron, can you believe they've five years in a row? I think twenty five years in a row. I think they've played in the West Coast Conference final. Final, yeah, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. unbelievable run. Uh, uh, big news coming out of New York as well. The New York Liberty, the WNBA team, got fined for for chartering flights. I so this is an interesting topic. Where where do you shake out on this? I mean, I, I get it from a competitive balance standpoint. Where I, so I guess Joe Sai, the guy who run who, who who's like the Alibaba guy who who owns the the Nets as well. He and his wife own the Liberty, and you know they have more money than a lot of the other WNBA ownership groups. And so the WNBA has said, "Hey, you can't, you know, you can't charter flights because it's such a distinct competitive advantage." Yeah. Right. And they've they've essentially said, "Hey, you know, for the next three years, like we'll we'll put money into a fund that other teams can use, so that they can also charter flights. Like, but like we need to be chartering flights. Like these are yeah. professional." athletes you know so yeah i mean i think it's probably you know if it's a distinct advantage it's a distinct advantage i don't think they should punish an ownership group for for wanting to invest in their players and and like in the product itself right that's that's where i fall out like i don't really fault the owners at all for doing this um and i guess the league had to do something just to make it a level competitive environment but yeah i think big takeaway it, i think it'd be great if the WNBA uh could work towards an environment where everybody is taking chartered flights uh i, I think that's certainly the the most desirous outcome desirable outcome um uh my favorite news item of the week of, it, of really the year so far <laughs> oh god hit me which one is it gonna be Van Taylor, U.S. Representative Van like, Taylor, Cody. We got, we got to, yeah, we yeah. got, we got to bring in Cody for this one. Yeah, U.S. Representative Van Taylor. He's from Plano. Plano. Where, where, where the where the commission is from? <laughs> we're still like, we're, we're still trying to track him down. Yeah. So Plano, I think, also home of the TikTok house. So shout out to the boys out in the Plano. <laughs> Bryson could be involved for sure. Uh, withdrew from the GOP primary runoff when news of uh, a slight infidelity. Uh, issue arose so you re- so you read uh, the headline you're thinking okay dime a dozen right infidelity for sure of course i also uh was was shocked and kind of cons- like wondering why you guys really care about just another uh white guy cheating on his wife out there until you actually read into it the guy was having an affair with a a, a lady called tanya jonah uh former wife of an Islamic state leader to also referred to as an ISIS bride, American traveled to Syria with her husband. He died when things hit the fan and, and she decided to come back. I guess she basically jumped in uh, his DMS and was, was seeking support and support is what, and he hired her, right? Yeah. Um, it's just an absolute wild situation to, to see this, playing out in like and then U.S. She, politics. And then she tried to blackmail him, it sounds like. Right? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, he tried to pay her, I think, $5,000 to like keep it hush hush. Sounds but like she needs to be like a tenured professor at Baylor or something. <laughs> like she'd fit right in down there. How, uh, personally, like, I don't know why. Like, how is she not in jail? Well, that's like, what I was going like, to ask you, Cody. It, like, the story's like, oh, 
overtly supporting a terrorist organization. Like it's not like she was uh, like forced to move to Syria. She she and she came back and like worked for some church or something. Yes. Right? I think Crazy. that was I think that was part of her like uh, re like reintegration plan is that she was brought back and planted born again. Well, not so much born again, but like, you know, when when people are transiting out or at the time transiting out of the caliphate um, and coming back, they they had to uh, number one, the majority of them gave up their passports as soon as they entered Syria. They they gave it to ISIS uh, and ISIS like was very well known for keeping copious notes of who people are, where they're coming, and they would take their passports or whatever documentation that they had. Uh, to basically keep them confined there because they didn't want people fleeing. Yeah. But ultimately, in order to get back, she had, you know, it's weird because four years ago, I, I know this girl. Like in my previous life, I know exactly who she is. And I know the FBI got involved because they had to get her temporary papers to come back to the United States because you can't fly internationally without a passport. And, and I guess the so she didn't did she like not technically commit a crime? Theor okay, okay, so it's very, very hard to include like normal men who traveled to the Islamic State that joined and maybe were not like, you know, frontline fighters, but were support personnel. It's very hard for the bureau to actually form a legal case against them um, unless you have like, you know, a mountain of evidence saying that like they not only like were fighters, but were like were video of them inflicting yeah. harm, you know, on us or, or coalition troops, coalition yeah. to, to include every nation specifically uh, against, you know, local Syrian fighters. How, um, how many Americans are, are, are like went over there there. It, it was crazy. Um, actually looking about at, back at it i remember i had a black book and there was you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people from the united states and the black book is basically like they're all listed out and if you run into any of them yeah. you're to immediately if yeah. you if you run across an american uh or any of our our allies on the battlefield yeah. you you I'm immediately sure Brits over there too, report right? it yeah. up yeah. yeah and this played out yeah. a, a couple times um well not a couple times like a, a lot of times um, for me, and the funny thing is, is that you, you can kind of tell the difference between an American or, or British or French element out on the battlefield. That's, you know, we're working hand in hand with our, our Syrian Kurdish partners versus just a, 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 a Kurdish uh, pure like SDF pure element. And majority of that's just due to like the firepower and extra gun support. And most of the time, like we have helicopters flying overhead. Um, for our safety, but you can tell the difference. So they they learn quickly that yo, if you go you go to the Americans like right away, they're immediately going to turn you over to the FBI. Mm -hmm. um, and FBI, of course, has you know foreign agents based overseas. That you're saying that if they go out there and basically like shit themselves in the yes. battlefield, yeah, which happened all. Uh, yeah. I, I remember like, like what have I gotten myself into? Yeah, here? in 2015, <laughs> like before we even went into Syria, I was in northern Iraq and. Uh, uh, working out of a town called uh, Erbil, like basically the cap capital of Kurdistan. And randomly, this American from Arlington, Virginia, came and turned himself into like local Kurdish police. And I remember getting the call and like going down to whatever facility that he was being held at. And I'm like, you know, 
go up and salam alaikum speak to him in in arabic and he's like yo what's up bro and i'm like whoa what what is up man like your english is really good where are you from he's like yeah i'm from virginia i'm like what are you doing here like this is not the place for you uh got his whole backstory and, and then worked with the bureau on that and he ultimately was was prosecuted and is okay. currently serving uh jail time and what's the charge on that international terrorism okay uh either support or you know in his case it, it, it was support you but it's crazy those raps no for all of uh for all of those stories of, of like kind of people thinking that it's it's the wild west and I, I think a lot of it a lot of people think of people going and joining a terrorist organization they think of like funny movies that you kind of give you they're the doing, vibe they're doing of, the monkey bars yeah not just the monkey bars but you know like uh team america and like these organizations are kind of like dumb and don't don't keep good records of anything but that was not the they're like well-run like business organizations and like they, laundering they, all sorts of money and dude, they, drugs and yeah they not only like completed like a, a war to capture land but establish their own country their own government their own taxation yes in like a matter enforcement it took them like 11 months yeah like how crazy is that yeah and and on the other hand what we're seeing now on like what's going not to get ahead of it but like what's going on in in russia and ukraine and everybody thinking that like russia is like the second or third most powerful military in the world and you're like bro you guys that's kind of stink man not the case for these guys, but that yeah. just shows you, uh, you know, the heart, the heart of a fighter and, and what they can do. And when, when somebody puts their mind to it. Yeah. Unfortunately, and, and fortunately for us, uh, that's no longer the case. But yeah, Isis Bride, absolutely crazy situation. Fucking her head. Ah, just not not something that I would ever expect uh, a good uh, representative from from the state of Texas. To uh, be her, wrapped and I, up in. her and our Bride should get together. Yeah, that could be a match made in heaven. Hate that. Like you said, hate that for the commission. The commission's guy, Van Taylor. Yeah. Hate that for Plano. Uh, Randy, big. Let's bring it back domestic. Big news breaking. Oh, uh, I believe this morning, right? Late last night, TC. Late last night, we have a bipartisan bill. The Postal Service Reform Act. I cannot believe it. I passed the House 30, 342 to 92 last month. It just got through the Senate, 79 to 19. Guys, you know, nothing by this bipartisan ever happens anymore. So the bill will head to Biden's desk for his signature. Everybody expects him to sign, of course. Great news for the Postal Service. We're going to we're going to modernize it. I feel like it's, it's basically, you know, letting them operate like the rest of the government instead of making them pre-fund their pension liabilities or their you know their their retirement liabilities you're bringing the postal service workers into medicare i think that's a big element of it sounds like you know getting more of a uh being more of an emphasis on packages less of an emphasis on first class mail which seems rational and logical and makes business sense i didn't i didn't realize the facts i did some reading on lewis DeJoy, your boy the Mm, postmaster general cody's boy uh, who you know i think he uh i didn't realize he he like kind of took the family trucking business, turned it into XPO Logistics, which is one of the largest, you know, logistics global supply chain firms there is. I guess there's some some you know, controversy around, uh, you know, they have some some intertwined relationships within the the USPS as far as 
sorting facilities and, and, you know, some space that they rent and everything mm-hmm. like that. But um, your boy, Rob Portman, Randy, kind of co-sponsored you know, helped, it, helped get this thing to, to uh, fr- fruition. And then also, you know, they're trying to get all these new postal service trucks because they're spending more on maintenance than what it would cost just to buy all new ones. I guess, you know, all the, all the left wingers are pissed because they're not going electric and all that, you know, Randy is up in arms. Well, so. I mean, uh, yeah, they 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 should go. They yeah. they they should go as green as possible. Um, I agree. You, you know what makes the the USPS interesting is the the USPS has a mandate that it must deliver to every home in America, which you know just stop stop and consider that 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 is that's amazing, right? Uh, you know, I've read there's a remote community in the Grand Canyon that gets their mail today. To this day, delivered by mule, and I, I, it was really bumming me out to to see and hear about the erosion of uh, of the postal service. And so I think, you it's know, it's like a, it's a sign of like a functioning society, right? Right. Yeah. Like you look around, there's so much like decay. I think going on that in our infrastructure, our airports, our modes of transportation, and this was just like another. Our airports are a disgrace. Yeah, pillar um, of of like American exceptionalism, and I, I want to see the postal service, you know, be be modernized and and be a really good good service. So they they've guaranteed they've guaranteed six day delivery, uh, which is good, or six day service. Excuse me. Um, so well, I think I think also we'll you see. know, and they're they're letting you know they're gonna renovate some of the post offices, which are you know I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. Um, you know, hopefully they're bringing some of the post office salaries in line with, you know, I think some of those people have probably been overpaid over the years. So, you know, hopefully modernizing that a little bit and making those like, they're not like gold plated, do nothing jobs. I, you know, I, I think it's one of the things where it's like, Hey, there's kind of fat on both sides that, you know, from a bipartisan perspective. Um, but like I, I'm an agree. I'm kind of a small government guy, but I'm also in agreement that like, this is a pretty necessary like public service that I don't have a problem with like taxpayers subsidizing because it's what? check it out. It doesn't get any taxpayer benefit. I know well, well, it's but, one of the like, few things I'm saying like now that yeah. they're going to be included in Medicare, which I guess the CBO said that that's going to be a revenue neutral thing, you know, from which whatever. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, it's a worthwhile service that needs to be invested in because it's a cornerstone of like a functioning economy. Yeah. Not just that big. You brought up a great point of like how amazing it is that we we get mail delivered to our house yeah. every day and, and can almost guarantee that it's going to be there. And and I understand things get lost throughout time. And we've all done a, quite a bit of international travel. And the fact that we get mail delivered to our house in a timely fashion it's a, that it's is incredible. not like destroyed is incredible. Like there's how do you get mail in the like how does the mail work? work in the military like apo fpo addresses so, so they I, basically I think there's a sorting facility sorted here in the states and then yeah i think it's distributed it, out i there. think it's at newark maybe okay. I, I think it's a, a new york address and then it's put on a you know major cargo airline and flown yeah. to germany first and then into country and then it's sorted down from there um that's the other thing that's fascinating to me of just you know like running like helping neil run our merchandise operation of like you know, all the white label yep. shipping options that you have as well with Landmark or just, you know, kind of ways to get it 
98% of the way there. And then you have the last mile that you kind of rely upon UPS or FedEx or DHL or um, USPS for. And, but yeah, kind of, you know, this, this whole, like, people have no idea how this shit works right. for the most part. I just want to like, caveat before we move on to one thing that Randy said is that he's right about uh, mail in the Grand Canyon being delivered by mule. And that's an actual meal, not a drug meal. So I just want to make sure that people are clear uh, <laughs> I, with how that gets. There. I think another thing of this is it's allowing local governments and, and state governments, m- municipalities to use the postal, the post office to sell, hunting licenses, fishing licenses, do, do more be great state business through, you know, what's ostensibly a, a reputable kind of like notary public. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. That's a good thing. So conservative TC coming out. Thank you. <laughs> the fish wildlife and game. They, they appreciate the shout out. So <laughs> some quick NFL tidbits and then uh, oh. let's, let's dive into Mr. Unlimited. Randy coming, coming, coming to, to see you. me. Yeah. Unbelievable. How about uh, it? Unbelievable. Uh, I think they made out like bandits. I think it's a good trade for Denver. I really do. Yeah. Um, so it's anytime. What, first rounder and a second rounder this year. A first rounder and a second rounder next year. So it's the number nine pick this year and the number, what, 41, 42 pick this year. And then the, the two picks next year, the first round and the second rounder will be pretty late, I would imagine. They would they hope. Very good roster. Yeah. And then Noah Fant, Drew Locke, and a defensive and kind of a rotational, you know, D lineman. Um, I'm curious yeah, about I'd Noah Fant. That's a guy that was really good. I believe coming out of Iowa. Um, yeah. Super talented. Hasn't really put just it all together. Has never, and has never really had a QB though in Denver, yeah. Um, yeah. which <laughs> going to a situation where he still doesn't have a QB, but yeah. uh, that, I, that's going to be pretty tough to like Fant DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett. Like, plus if they resign, uh, Rashad Penny, like, I, you know, it sounds like, like Barnwell had a good, good piece last night about kind of what it means for the Seahawks. And it sounds like Carol and Schneider are starting to, you know, going to try to double back down on running the shit out of the football and, you know, and playing defense. Right. Um, Cause like, and it essentially recoups one of the draft picks that they traded for Jamal Adams. You know, they've, they've just kind of made it a, a priority to invest in guys that are, you know, not necessarily the most economical investments in the modern NFL, like like investing in a safety. Although it seems like safeties are getting more and more valuable here over the last couple of years, but you know, um, just kind of weird, like kind of a uh, going against the grain a little bit on team building. And then and then the Broncos. I mean, there you God, like you got you know, Russ is locked up for another two years. I imagine, you know, probably after this season, they'll lock him up to a mega extension. Um, you know, you got KJ Hamler. I don't know if they'll hang on to Tim Patrick. You got Cortland Sutton. You got Jerry Judy. You got that that good running back that they've Javante Williams. Yeah, that they've needlessly like split carries with Melvin Gordon, who's terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I know, and the defense is spry. Yeah. The defense, yeah. Is oh, blocking. they got yeah, certain Junior. They they got some dogs, man. And then they, even Albert O, the backup tight end, he's a stud. It makes the AFC West. Oh. Extremely, extremely interesting. Uh, I, I think it honestly, it's, it's going to put a ton of pressure on the Chargers, in my opinion, on on Herbert and yeah. Staley, and to see, you know, they that whole San Diego operation. I feel like for the longest time, I've per, I perceive it as 
they've never lived up to the talent level on their roster. Like, like the results Lesko, have never been. Yeah. He's got such a weird approach to team building. They just re-signed Mike Williams yesterday, like three years, 60 million. But I agree. Like, it's just, you know, they're always good up front. Like on the offensive line, they always seem to have good skill position guys. Um, but I, I just can never put my finger on that team. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's strange. And then, I mean, shit, the AFC is just freaking loaded. The AFC is getting very, very loaded with, with good quarterbacks. Most of them young, of course, Mahomes and Herbert and Russ now at West and Derek Carr. Like if that's the worst quarterback in the division. That's, that's amazing. Of course, Burrow and Lamb Lamb. And it's going to be really interesting to see what Trevor Lawrence evolves into uh, under Doug Peterson down in Jacksonville. Who am I? Oh, Josh Allen, of course, in Buffalo. It's going to be a murderer's row here in the AFC, it feels like. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm kind of to the point. And I, I feel like the, I feel like the Seahawks make sense because they're, you know, they're looking around their division saying, all right, we're, you know, the Rams may take a step back due to salary cap issues, but you've got, you know, Niners have one of the best rosters in football. And obviously, well, you know, probably the obviously. best offensive mind. Obviously. In, in the history of the game, of course. Cardinals aren't going anywhere. You know, they're, they're kind of like, all right, we, we might as well rebuild. Whereas, like, you look at the, like, the NFC South, I wish the Falcons would. We can talk about Calvin Ridley, uh, but uh, just like they, they still can't move past Matt Ryan this year. Like they have to wait till next year and the NFC South's there for the taking. Like everybody right. sucks. Right. You know? Especially with, yeah, with, with Tom Brady retiring. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, A-Rodge getting extended, although he said that the Rappaport, uh, you know, stuff was, was false. So I'd imagine it's probably just semantics of like he's probably, you know, he might not be the highest paid guy in the league. From Green Bay's perspective, totally understand it, right? Gotta gotta keep him. But I still think it yeah. puts the team, they're they're still kind of in like a weird spot. They they tagged Devontae Adams. They they've got to work out. They just a seem like, like one dimensional. Like over. Yeah, totally. Well, they have a great offensive line. I feel like they're gonna like they gotta use that first rounder on on Seems you know, like they're like missing a, a skill guy still. Or, yeah, like a slot guy or, or something to kind of take some pressure off Devontae. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's um and then yeah, your boy Calvin Ridley. A weird situation. I know you've heard some stuff that we don't necessarily have to get into, but it just feels like it feels like this is a much bigger I there's gotta be more like going on around this whole situation with him. Yeah, yeah. I had heard, you know, some of the Mental health stuff was actually, I don't know, he was being threatened by certain people in the community in Atlanta. Yeah, just kind of a strange, strange circumstances down there. But yeah, now it sounds like, I don't know, this was all going on. Good on the Falcons for not engaging in trade talk, like out of good faith for the last two months for him. I guess the Patriots called on him and uh, a couple other teams. But I mean, what a waste, right? Like, yeah, you know. I know. At fifteen hundred dollars, and like I would think, all right, if he's gambling, maybe maybe there's some bookies after him, and he's really gambling. He's lost several million. That was dollars. my first thought. Yeah, yeah, but it's like no, he, he did it with you know, I guess the Hard Rock, so, you know, and 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 like put his personal credit card number and and you know and address in and everything. Oh, Just oh, it's it's insane. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I know, you know that 
that was what I first thought was like, oh God, he's got a huge gambling problem, which probably affects the mental health. And it's like, oh, it makes so much sense. And now the 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 news of like what the actual gambling was is like, well, wait a second, like there's he was still betting on like the Falcons of... to beat the Jaguars. Like, uh, yeah, it was like know, he, like, he like, played like an eight eight team parlay or something. You know, and like as somebody who's gotten in trouble on on parlays before. <laughs> You know, I can I can certainly empathize, but I think the the most like the shittiest part about it is like by all accounts he's like a really really normal, nice like well adjusted guy works hard has his head screwed on straight when he's at the facility, yeah. all that it's just it's bizarre. So yeah yeah um Combine yeah well your, your boy Jesse Bates three point getting 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 the franchise tag uh, okay. up there in Cincinnati it sounds like that could get a little little hairy if they don't extend him he's a locker room leader really really well thought of yeah uh, i'm just hoping that that mike brown's frugal refusal to guarantee money past the first year doesn't doesn't bite him in the ass here it's gonna be interesting i i still wouldn't you know i think the bengals mo they've extended a lot of guys post draft so i, I still think there's a, a decent chance they can extend him on a longer term deal He's got, yeah. he's got to step up the guarantees, man. You know, know. you got to you got to change your 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 modus operandi. The big Bengals news I'm hearing is uh, former Bucks center Ryan Jensen, heavily heavily rumored coming to Cincinnati, which would be a great start to revamp that offensive yeah. line. So hopeful a lot of, that will lot come of, to fruition. A lot of chatter about uh, the the Commanders. I'm sorry, the Commanders. I can't get it through my head, man. Come on. Um. Gosh, what else we got? We got the combine. Yeah, the, that Georgia defensive tackle put RC was that was the news of the wedding. RC was absolutely he wouldn't shut up about it on Friday about, you know, the what was it, 476 or 478. The dude ran at like 350 pounds. <laughs> it's, so, um, it's so stupid. It's so but he stupid. only played like 20 percent of the plays for Georgia. He's like he was like out of shape the whole time. So if he can keep this conditioning up, it sounds like the Chargers are taking a long look at him. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett in his little ass hands. We got a small hands quarterback. God, it's exciting when they, when they put the small hands label on something. Although there's, there's some sort of, you know, there's some, there's some consternation about it because it sounds like he's double jointed in his <laughs> thumbs and it doesn't, you know, it's not measuring correctly. Cause I guess they go like diagonally across pinky to thumb. And then they do, you know, another measurement and it sounds like it's not picking up the full length of his thumb. Uh, and then he went out and, you know, I, and I guess he had, he had like a NCAA record number of fumbles the last wow. few years up at Pittsburgh, but then he went out and he threw like through really, really well in, in drills. And he's also played in Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. Like he's yeah. played outdoors in Pittsburgh. It's, it's not like moving to a cold weather, crappy weather environment will be new to him. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I, I haven't done a ton of research, but he's a quarterback that I like from the outside. Uh, yeah. I think he's very much like he's probably the most pro ready of them. I'm I'm fascinated to see what the Panthers, the Commanders, and the Steelers do at quarterback because I think those yeah. are the three that like you know Jimmy G is going to end up in one of those spots. And then you know, and now we're see we're hearing all sorts of shit about Mitchell Trubisky. It's like the Mitchell Trubisky hype train is is back on the rails, and and people are are hyping him up and and dapping him. It's crazy. So, so it sounds like whoever drafts Malik Willis, they're going to try to bring in Trubisky for a year or two, and Mariota for a year or two, and, and then groom Willis. So, Mariota. 
Anyway. Well, it'll be good. We'll 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 keep an eye on that as as we head into the draft and uh, further into NFL free agency. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I want to thank our other sponsor today, and that is DraftKings Sportsbook. The players have made their way to the Sunshine State this week for the Players' Championship, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official operator of the PGA Tour, has a gimme for new customers. Place any golf bet of at least $5 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. You can bet a golfer to win, bet single-round matchups, so much more. As long as you throw down $5, you'll get $100 in free bets. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the PGA Tour action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Golf Contest. Draft your lineup of six golfers and compete for over $10 million in prizes this week for the Players' Championship. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU. Place a golf bet of at least $5 and get $100 in free bets no matter the outcome. That's promo code NLU at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting operator of the PGA Tour. 21 and over, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Thank them very much for sponsoring the episode. And now back to our conversation. All right, let's talk a little Ukraine. Mr. Cody, we last spoke to you on February 22nd, which um, things were obviously building. And it was pretty apparent that something was going to occur uh, just a couple of days later, I think, I don't know if it was maybe the 23rd here and the 24th there, but around February 24th, Russia officially crossed over, invaded Ukraine. I guess my first question for you is, it's been like two weeks now. What has surprised you the most of what we've seen? And, and I guess what's been the least surprising to you in, in these couple of weeks? There's a lot to go on there. Uh, I know, I know. All right, you tell me where do you want to start? We can we can take it piecemeal. I think from the onset of the uh, peacekeeping operation, which was just the ultimate ruse, we uh, last talked, like you said, on the 22nd about what we thought were live recordings of, of Putin and his upper echelon of his cabinet turns out to be at, all at that big ass yeah, table where everybody's yeah. sitting like 40 yards away from him it turned out to be of course pre-recorded people zooming in on watches and pulling timestamps and checking clothing and and none of it really made any sense anyway they started their o- occupation of ukraine and it very much was what i would say akin to the shock and awe campaign that we pulled off in early days in iraq it was coordinated both air, uh, ground, and sea attacks. Uh, It looked like Putin's forces were coming out hot. That lasted for about a little over 24 hours. And then, you know, it appeared like, hey, this is on. The world was quickly catching up to what is happening. You started to get reports of uh, Russian ground elements uh, securing land and continuing to make their way not only to through the disputed areas, but marching further on towards Kiev um, or Kiev, excuse me. Which the Klitschko, one of the Klitschko brothers being the mayors. What has happened since then has, has to be one of the ultimate fails in like Modern military, military history. history. 
Uh, it is shocking to say the least to see the events that are unfolding and, and by shocking, uh, and I kind of referenced it earlier is like what appeared and what everybody thought to be a like very professional force with, uh, somewhat dated equipment, but we thought that they, you know, Russian had, you know, Putin had garnered support across his ranks to fight this battle and to take on Ukraine has just blown up completely in his face. You Where, see, like, there were there were guys like basically not knowing that they were going to war. Not right? at all. Yeah. People thought that they're like, oh yeah, we're just staging up here, and like it's it's basically just a, a front. Like yeah, or, you yeah. know, and, and whatever pressure that we are applying is just, you know, basically that pressure that 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 we're not actually going to to march on this. And you you see it both uh, in troop morale as well as overall support. At home in Russia, the Kremlin is scrambling like minute by minute to try to to turn this into something different. It's the ultimate shit show. Uh, it continues to blow up in Putin's face, and and, and, and history repeating itself. Yeah, really, right. Like with the supply lines, it's the same shit that happened well, in, like World War II, right? You know, uh, that, that it's just crazy uh, to look at and see. Uh, if if you look at a couple days later, what was leaked was the actual ground occupation plans. Uh, that showed, you know, different units and, and what they were tasked with and flanking maneuvers and what appeared to be uh, logistical points that they were setting up and a, a fairly thought out plan that is uh, a gone, to, gone to shit. It just never happened there. Logistics have been an issue. It's plaguing them since the beginning. Fuel, which now the world uh, is dealing with, but specifically, like, I don't understand how they did not have their basic supply uh, and support like mechanisms put into place. When you need gas, you need ammunition, you need medical supplies. And it appears that they have none of that. They when, didn't think through shit. When you're run, like when you're rolling in somewhere, like, how many fuel trucks do you need? Or how many tanks do you need per fuel truck? Or that, like that sort of thing. I mean, it's, uh, is it kind of one, like a classic a, a true who could say okay. that I, I am by no means You're the wrong like guy. A, a fuel uh, supply expert. I'm not going to. You're in and out of there before that shitty. <laughs> right. What I know is that everywhere I went, we always had fuel. If I ever needed fuel somewhere uh, and was out doing something like we'd have speedballs dropped. Of, speedball means like uh, a resupply pallet, basically, that would be parachuted uh, in. sling loaded or or you know, parachuted in. Sling load, what does that mean? Sling load meaning that uh, what you would see, big cables hoisted from helicopters okay. that would that would bring it or that would be sling load. Uh, normal uh, speed balls would be pushed out of the back, uh, just literally pushed out uh, into the open desert wherever we established the grid at uh, from a helicopter or a plane or if you're doing big heavy drops, obviously parachuted out of the back of, of airplanes. None of that's happening here. Uh, so you see the breakdown of uh, their overall logistics in order to supply uh, their ground elements. We started to see that from the beginning with vehicles breaking down. And what originally was reported is that we thought it was from fuel, but actually I think the Ukrainian, not only uh, military forces, but volunteers, which we'll get to. And, and then when they activated their reserved elements and basically said every fighting male 
from the ages of 18 to 65, please report, uh, in which they basically all did. Um, they realized quickly that Russia's like military equipment, these big trucks, all you got to do is shoot the radiator out and like that bad, that bad boy <laughs> overheat no matter what the temperature is. And like, it's it just stuck. Um, hilarious videos coming out now of armored personnel carriers that are just left on the side of the, the road, which you it know, sounds like they didn't might have be, maps, might be tanks, might and be they whatever with else. All the street they mess with all the street. Uh, yeah. uh, so you see that you see farmers going out and towing these vehicles and, and with, their, with their tractors and scrapping them. You see t- Ukrainian TikTok stars taking videos from abandoned vehicles. It's just the ultimate debacle that that has to like just piss Vlad out to halt. And then it him. sounds like he has like some serious, serious cracks in the in the armor as far as from an intelligence perspective. It sounds like his kind of elite intelligence service is like leaking information to the to the Ukrainians because they don't believe in the mission, right? Yes. It also is is hard. So the what people know of like the the KGB, former KGB, current FBS. So they're they're very reliant on external partnerships. And for a long, long time, Ukraine also maintains an FBS and they have very good working relationships through, you know, there's been rocky points, of course, um, when it comes to 2014 to 2006 uh, and dating back, but they're very tied hand in hand and a lot of these like familial bloodlines go back a long way so you see slowly uh you know russian fbs aiding ukrainian fbs and passing information but looking at it from an intelligence picture and that would be like you know theoretically like military intelligence but also it's like their civilian intelligence as well like I don't, I don't think they're like using any of that. Like Putin's not using any of that at all in his plans. He thought that this was going to be a quick and he's occupation, just like increasingly a com- isolated from everybody that's going to yes. actually give him rational, realistic information and like an assessment of the reality. Where it sounds like he just made all his his decisions based on like during COVID, he went down to the fucking archives in the Kremlin and was like yeah. digging out all these maps from the 17 and 1800s of where geographical boundaries were well that's like his ultimate goal is yeah. like to put the the ussr back in no it's it's put like the the russian like uh the, like the czar shit back in play even pre-ussr correct right? but because like he, that's, because he thinks that's Lenin not gonna fucked happen up and stalin yes. fucked up yeah. like that's not gonna happen so if, if yeah it, it's just you know i i just it, Again, I'm I'm shocked at how this is continuing to play out because it's just the the an ultimate failure. And like from a historical like perspective, it it cannot be sitting well. And I know he's pissed. This was supposed to be a quick occupation, all the way to a, a complete Ukrainian invasion occupation, uh, putting in some sort of puppet government that yeah. would that and, would and then solidifying his base at home for the upcoming. Yes. 2024 elections yep. right now the scary thing about it is that we talk a little bit about you know him losing support at home and, and maybe some leaks coming out from his intelligence service uh but there's been like multiple calls of like oh yes coup attempts that's that's not going to happen the correct people higher in his 
uh, armed services are, are never going to step away from him or try to separate himself from him because ultimately, like, Putin's still got the bag. And, like, they're his boys. They're put in that position for a reason. Well, and, like, it's not like somebody rational is going to step into Putin's shoes and be like, oh, you know what? We're going to, like, Russia's always going to be fucked up. Right? Yeah. And and it's going to be, like, it's you don't really have a, a good candidate to step in you know, I guess the the dude that's that's in, that's imprisoned right now would be the only guy. But he, all the military guys probably hate yeah, him. Yeah, that's and, not and like, happen. And like all the oligarchs, like. But that's the crazy part to me with with uh, Putin is he pissed off the like the one group of guys that he can't piss off. Correct. And all the oligarchs that are getting their, you know, getting all their foreign holdings, you know, frozen. Basically, yeah. like I mean, to see Switzerland of all places Let's make like, a stand freeze on assets like the most neutral, you know, by the book country saying, "Hey, we're we're not going to take a stand on anything." Like that's that says something. A good point to turn to is like so, kind of the international response and and what we yeah. see play out. Neighboring countries that are uh, NATO uh, NATO allies or people who are more aligned with Ukraine, obviously showing an overwhelming support a lot of it because you know everybody feels there's a lot of emotion tied in to what's going on there's already an estimated of like two million people have fled ukraine and a lot of these countries that are there to that are giving their support are also the ones that are now feeling the humanitarian burden we talked about this last time that like you you have to be there and in that position to open your arms and support these people whose lives have now been ruined. Okay. Second part of that freezing of assets, sanctions, and what that is actually turning into. And, uh, and I would add the, the, the quote unquote soft sanctions too, right? Some of the, the decisions that are made by private companies pulling, pulling business out of Russia. Right. So you've seen, a, a again, overwhelming show of support, uh, sanctioning or soft sanctions on russia whether that's from you know uh american-based or international banking institutions credit card companies this morning uh mcdonald's officially closed off their locations in russia it's funny to think about but like that's a big like big russians deal. aren't gonna get new iphones or well iphones that's a that's a yeah. like the second and third order effects here of like uh, yeah but it's like if it's we true. look at the the what Russia and Ukraine, both countries, good, bad, however you want to look at this, what they actually like provide via trade to this country now, outside of oil, outside of natural gas. There are, you know, there are factories within both countries that provide a massive um, amount of items, yeah. equipment, tools, chips, like raw components components of what we use in America every single day that, that are going to have lasting effects yeah. until the global supply chain can be it's caught like up Boeing, to it. Boeing and Airbus like straight up can't make, they can't make the new airplanes without titanium. I'm like, oh, most of the titanium comes yes. from Russia or nickel. Like you need nickel for all the, the lithium ion batteries. Yes. That, 80% of that comes from Russia. Yep. <laughs> it, it's, it's, you know, the little factories that like, you know, spread out across not only Ukraine, but Russia that are tied to automotive industry that are tied to computing tied to, 
you know, you name it, like almost everything, uh, you know, we're going to feel the effects of it outside of the price of gasoline. So now, so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Back to the military side and what what we see being kind of done. The sanctions that were that were put in place by the United States, by uh, UK, specifically Britain. At the beginning, I thought they're like kind of lenient. They're absolutely like crushing Russia right now. Yeah. The issue is, is that like outside of the oligarchs, so like the 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 top like one percent, these are also like destroying normal, yeah, innocent people's lives. Hyperinflation, very much yeah, so. Like yeah. people like can't, you can't live the if if you want to talk about like the global wheat supply, you know we're going to feel that effect here because like if we go back to what started the Arab Spring, it's because of the cost of bread. I don't know if that's going to spread and like piss off all these other countries, kind of like what it did to the Arab Spring that like we're still feeling the effects of here. So like Bel- it would spread to Belarus or it would spread to the literally you know, the world. Kazakhstan or or you know Albania. We yeah. what the United States imports. No, but but like places that are within the, the oh, Russian yeah. sphere. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like but, basic human things that you need. Like, okay, so that's, sanctions are tough. My issue always with sanctions is that I don't, it's so hard and I don't even know how like they do it to target it to make sure that who is feeling the effects of it are actually feeling them. I know know they're working because it's like rocking Russia's world. I was going to say, this this feels like one that, or a set of sanctions that like everybody's feeling them, whether they, whether you want them to or not, you know? Yep. So sanctions working overall military support um, and shout out to like, I've, I've seen a ton of uh, all my like military sites and, and people that I follow like St. Javelin. So St. Javelin and, and where that kind of came from is because the United States, NATO uh, have provided the Ukraine military uh, a ton of support for surface to air you know, shoulder fired weapons that there's a lot of videos out there um, of like how effective these weapons are. The losses of the Russian military, both from ground vehicles, so tanks, trucks, everything you need to move large personnel, large swaths of personnel like are being completely destroyed. The aircraft, both fixed wing and rotary wing, it's it's crazy. Like the, some of these these videos are, are are very like motivating, inspiring, but also like super scary. They're being very very effective. You see, yesterday, so as we're recording this on Wednesday morning, Tuesday, you had Poland. Uh, joining with uh, quite a few other countries who are attempting to transfer uh, fighter planes to the Ukraine military. And those are MiGs, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. So the issue with that is that Poland, uh, a great ally of the United States, um, said, yes, we're going to transfer all these and move them to uh, a, a U.S. military air force base in Germany in which Ukraine can pick them up from there. Put that out. Everybody. Wow. Amazing. Great fanfare. 
the Pentagon quickly being like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't like we can't tell you that you you can't do that. Like you can give them to Ukraine like you're just not going to do it from here. Like we can't have like, you know, now, even if you're like transferring all this equipment, to like it, you've entered combat then. Right. Yeah, the like the combat. U.S., not just U.S., but like Germany, NATO. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, okay, so now we're launching fighter jets from a NATO country. Like, you can't. It's just, it's it's crazy. And the the Pentagon's uh, response to that yesterday was like, I think they were uh, a flabbergasted was a word, speechless of like, where did you guys get this idea? Because you never even ran it like by us. Um. So people. Uh, a lot of people calling for the establishment of not just closed airspace, uh, but a, an actual no-fly zone over Ukraine yeah. in order to protect uh, not only Ukrainian ground forces, but what what has turned into Russia's air force or, or air service continual like committing of war crimes. They're, they're targeting hospitals. They're targeting schools. They're targeting like, you everything possible that like you're not supposed to do and again like second and third order effects like hopefully we will see some sort of when this is all said and done like a a military tribunal uh system in which like people are prosecuted for these horrific crimes that are being done like war is is one thing and war is dirty and very ugly but like when you're intentionally targeting innocent civilians uh and and the key word here is like in, intentionally who have no they're, they're not in the fight they have no way to prepare or defend themselves um it's it's absolutely crazy and from like you know i've been on the other end of this of like where schools are targeted but like dude it is like multiple like steps and steps and steps and processes and vetting to like declare like this school building that we know is a school building is no longer like an institute of knowledge it is now being used as this mm. and we have soaked it with isr for this many you know days to prove that like now this is now a like combatant headquarters what's isr so basically like drone drone footage okay uh intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance from okay. from the air that is not happening here. There's actual war crimes being committed. Um, so the air game, you see uh, we've supported with surface to air. Now other countries are supporting with actual MiGs, fighter jets to, to support uh, Ukraine. And all of this kind of continues to unfold day by day. Uh, the, for the first time this week, we saw the actual like, United States National Intelligence Services uh, give testimony to Congress. So director of CIA, director of DIA, director of NSA, um, and, and, you know, and others agencies that there are others uh, that also have a, have a play in this. So massive amount of, of losses from equipment, massive amount of losses that are hard to keep track of of like personnel on both sides because you know a lot of this there's there's such like uh there's an in infor information war going on as well there is a, a psychological 
operation psyops going on of like, what information do we actually trust? Where is this coming from? Is, is the, a lot of this propaganda, which like we are in the, in Western countries, we are fed very pro-Ukrainian propaganda. So it's hard to know what the actual truths are because there's not really like too much confirmed battle damage assessments being done. So we saw this in their testimony, the estimated losses and what we see. So, so far there's estimated between 2,000 and 4,000 Russian troops that have died, um, said director of CIA. The issue with this, director of CIA, our analysis assesses that Putin is unlikely to be deterred by such setbacks and instead may escalate. All right. Just to Why? D- double down because he's got because he doesn't look like a loser. Yes. Last late last week was kind of the first mention of like a nuclear yeah. option. Yeah. That changes all of this. And he's got the hypersonic shit too. So that- yes. Now like he knows that judging by the actual international response outside of providing a, a weapons and equipment. There has been no international response of personnel. He, we basically, the world has shown and told Putin that, like, we're gonna, we've we've given you these hard sanctions. We continue to say what you're doing is crazy. Everybody is making statements of, of please stop, stop this madness. We've had a couple uh, attempted ceasefires that have never really ceased. Um, and then a, a couple meetings of uh, President Zelensky and other uh, meeting Russian uh, leadership at neutral sizes to come to some sort of agreement that have yet to to be made. Now, if he went a, a nuclear option, that that changes this whole thing. So the column or the 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 interview I read last week uh, from Politico magazine was uh, yes he would quotations uh fiona hill on putin and nukes and it's fucking terrifying you know yeah. like, like pretty pretty well you know well-versed experienced uh you know government official basically laying it all out and saying like he's backed into a corner and like he's more unpredictable than ever right now i agree the issue that i have with like that analysis is i think a lot of that gives that what we've always thought forever from Russia is that he would have like the ultimate support from not only officials that surround him, but oligarchs and as well as the people. I think like there's protests that are happening daily, like directly outside the Kremlin of people like up in arms. I'm not talking about like the younger people who are, you know, the future generation of Russians who like just don't like Putin, don't like the government and like beg for like, some form of democracy. But I, I think, like I said, the issue with that analysis is that that is no longer like the case, not only from public support, but also, you know, the, the international response gives it, it's, it's given him an opening, basically continue to do what he's doing now without anybody really like, getting too much involved because everybody's just gonna afraid lose. of that right yeah yeah, yeah. so like yeah. as long as he doesn't push that button like he's 
like he has his own playground to to do it whatever he wants. But at some it's point, it's going to be like, a massive losses. Don't the oligarchs and everybody like the funds over for them, right? Like they're just you know they're they're worried about getting their yachts seized. Like I follow this guy Alex Finley on on Twitter, or, or like there's a couple things like a couple trackers for the for their their jets, right? And it's like at some point like these things are going to start getting seized. Their real estate holdings are going to start getting seized, right? Mazepin can't can't be an F one anymore. <laughs> like you're. You know, like the like the party's over for these guys, and that's what that's what they give a shit about, right? I mean, yeah, Brandy's boy Abramovich is gonna is gonna sell sell Chelsea. You know, I I struggle to think like how much this is weird to say, but like how much a yacht or even a football club, like these guys have so much money. I right. I, I don't know if these things actually. They're inconveniences, and I'm sure they're annoying, and they'd rather not. But I, I don't know if they actually hurt, right? I, and I don't know if we're going to be able to like make make it hurt for these. Yeah, I disagree though. Well, and the short like, it, it all depends on how long. Like you know, people yeah. can still be kind of comfortable now wherever whatever mansion they're built. I was going to say, in, but like, like in six months, like if they can't leave Russia and go to Monaco or London or los angeles or new york or the maldives you know and can't keep continuing that lifestyle like a lot of them are going to say like you know if i can't use my toys and and go travel the world and everything like what's what's the point of having all this money especially if your money's being devalued like crazy in russia you know i mean at some point my, my big question is like does this expedite the integrity or the the way that like the importance of the dollar in the international community like is it going to expedite you know the, the china and russia and all these you know kind of bad actors getting getting away from the dollar even quicker than they would and, and kind of you know it it no longer being the international standard hmm. i don't know what they china and i don't know what they would go to yeah yeah i mean i i guess you know and that's and then and then you get into like some of the crypto stuff right of <laughs> like you know, Russians trying to circumvent sanctions with that stuff. And it's just a, it's a rat's nest, right? Uh, So Cody on, on Putin and like, is there a way to end this conflict where to try to like, let him, I I hate saying safe face, but almost like give him an exit path, right? Take a pound of flesh that he can take back to his people and say, you know, look, here's what I did, but that isn't too detrimental to Ukraine. Those two or three of those breakaway regions, like he wants that territory, he wants those territories to be Russia. Yeah. And then, you know, he can kind of go back with his tail between his legs, but with the like, like with the I, trophy, right? Yeah. It's just so hard to fathom what he's, except for out of just like embarrassment and pride. Like, like, what are, what are you doing? I, yeah. I, I think that that's a, a, the majority of it now. I mean, outside of like the Donbass region and, and Crimea. Yeah. Which I think, you know, Zelensky has said, like, yo, we're open. We can talk, we can about, talk about this. Yeah. But, like, the other ones, you know, what are the uh, Lansk and Donetsk? I don't think that's going to happen because he sees that as, like, that, that was the immediate, like, incursion onto mm-hmm. Ukraine. But I think it's a good pivot to, like, talk about not just the Ukrainian people, but president Zelensky, like himself and like how stoic yeah. uh inspirational every good 
adjective you could think of of like unifying not only his people but the world but the world yeah and i think that's and you know you you, he is not perfect yeah ukraine and the way things that their government does is is not perfect but it's very you know it's easy for for people to jump in line and support what feels to be the underdog um but i think he's risen like yeah so high and above and beyond and like such an an inspirational character uh in this whole thing that like the world needs and beyond like you know can only imagine the amount of like death threats he receives and and he makes the good thing about him is that he like likes talking about it and he, he very much is like the focal figure of all of this but a lot of people asking for his withdrawal you know specifically president biden saying you know we you need to get on this plane you need to go somewhere else to protect yourself and he's like no nah, man like the fighting is here my people are here i am staying here and like it's been truly uh inspirational and something like just so empowering to watch play out the uh it was interesting to see it sounds like mbs is kind of using this opportunity to that's a different reset the the relationship with the united states and basically cozying up to russia a little bit and saying all right cool like you guys don't want to play ball with me yeah i'll I'll kind of stick this in your eye uh, you know, and that's, that's, I guess, somewhat predictable, but the, the one that's crazy to me is India. Like they seem to be kind of a lot more neutral and a lot more closely aligned to the Sino Russian side of things than, than the Western world. Yeah. Which is, uh, interesting to look. Cause like, what's India is like, you know, specifically like in the Kashmir region, like their ultimate fear is like, in, yeah in, in invasion like yeah not, not so much from like i wouldn't say from like pakistan but from their neighbor to the north yeah um so yeah they, they've put themselves in an interesting position you talked about saudi arabia and what's going on and you know people in across europe and the united states feeling the effects of this primarily at the gas tank but like i said earlier it, we're, we're gonna feel this one for a, a long time just how the global supply chain works um and the united states making like just crazy decisions of like we're going sending a a a team down to venezuela to potentially uh buy barrels from down there uh attempting to talk to mbs and schedule a meeting uh to see if we can buy some more oil from there as as the world continues to turn off what russia has provided to you know not only the United States but other countries and MBS kind of sticking a middle finger up there and and turning the other way, which very much uh, predictable. And I think you know, can, can can I can I ask a brief aside? Is Saudi Arabia an ally of the United States? I would say yes. Not only from you know previously the relationship is is built on the baseline of like oil, but now if if what do you, you know, when the United States turns around and says, yo, I need some of that sugar. And like, uh, and, well, they're, that's... they're saying no, like, so a, an ally in, in sense is that there's, you know, massive military 
support on both sides. There's uh, trade support on both sides outside of oil. Um, but if they continue down this, and it's just a leverage play for them, um, it'll get interesting to see where that shakes out. But again, if you look at like taking your your eyes off of situation in Ukraine with Russia and, and look at the Middle East, like, you know, we we need to be close to various countries throughout the Middle East and the primary, like the king of them all is Saudi Arabia. And they do a lot of work, not only up front, but behind the scenes uh, on behalf to keep other primarily Sunni countries in line and not just trade, but conflict and everything else like that. While simultaneously, you know, the United States works with Israel and in partnership, most of the time closed doors, sometimes out, but countering Iranian, you know, continued influence in the region. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how that actual ally plays out and, and what it turns in into. But at the end of the day, like, uh, you know, MBS is just going to continue to play hardball, use it for leverage and and wait another three years until he finds somebody, you know, the whole thing with President Biden is that he doesn't doesn't want to talk to MBS, doesn't see MBS as true leader, wants to talk to, you know, his dad. Uh, unfortunately, his dad is basically just like uh, a shadow figure now waiting to die. That's fully given yeah. reins over to MBS to, to run the country. And that's just not how President Biden has has played it so far um so we'll see the issue my issue with the biggest thing is that like yo like man the the united states is sitting on like so much like and i know this is not the way that that people want to go but like you know we have so much natural gas reserves in the united states like in the short term, like we can feel the pain and I'm not saying that like we need to drill baby drill. Uh, but like if we go and pump a couple billion into Venezuela, like what do we, what's the plan there, man? Like, we're just going to wait and see what, what they turn into. Well, and then, you know, it's, it's like bad oil too, right? It's horrible. It's, it was, it, I mean, just like quality. Yeah. Like it's like sludge mm-hmm. it's, and, and it takes, hell of a lot harder to refine and their their whole infrastructure down there is you know pretty much unusable at this point right yeah and it's to, an environmental to, to catastrophe say, with, to you know, say like the the least it's not yeah. the best um it makes the tar sands and the keystone xl pipeline look like with like <laughs> freaking renewable energy <laughs> you know? yeah well it'd be um, really nice to have like a a mature conversation about the future of american energy and and to really lay out a plan to where hey like let's let's wean ourselves off on having to rely on russia and saudi arabia and like these countries and people that obviously like i don't feel good about relying on like i don't think anybody here wants to wants to rely on bad actors but yet it just i think my frustration is it just seems like we're incapable as a society right now to implement a program that's going to. It's just grounded in common sense and not wean us off of. Yeah. Foreign, foreign energy with an eye towards like, obviously, like, I think we can say this pretty confidently, like, obviously we have to shift 
as much as possible to renewable energy. Like it just feels like we're in such a state right now that like we can't solve our big problems. And I think that's what I get most frustrated about. Yeah, I, I agree. And before we, uh, I mean, you were saying to me yesterday, like the whole Russian propaganda machine bankrolling all of the activism against natural gas yeah. in Europe, right? Yeah. You got, yeah. You, Talk about that. Like, yeah, I, I'm, so again, like doing everything possible to stay like on the teat. Like, yeah. it, yo, like we, we still, majority of their GDP is based off of oil sales oil yeah. production and they basically led the the charge in you know in um europe against you know against all the was it against all the renewables or against all of the 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 drilling within europe like in germany is, is well i would say a, a little bit of both but like played a major part in like turning not just uh you, you know it worked on both sides in Germany because you have like such a, a need on like uh, green energy. And as the world continues to turn, uh, like it was the ultimate get out of jail free card by saying, you know, to Angela Merkel at the time, like, yo, like you can get that, like, and still get your oil too. Like, we're just going to pop this other pipeline in for you and like, you'll, you'll be set. Uh, so it's crazy. I saw I, that. I, totally, I saw that pipeline went, went bankrupt. Yeah, already, like the, yeah. the, the holding company for it. Uh, you know, you brought up a good point, which I totally skipped back, which was like actual, like the, the cyber war yeah. that's ongoing. Um, the wipers. And, yeah. And rendering, uh, originally at the beginning of this, you saw a lot of like, not only like Russian state sponsor, but independent Russian organizations conducting cyber operations within Ukraine and then spreading out slowly from there. But then you also saw like major russian cyber elements turning on russia and like yeah it's like basically saying like we want no part in this and then oh by the way like we're also now targeting you uh so it's interesting to see how that all has continued to play out on top of the ongoing propaganda machine that just rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls and rolls what uh neil was asking about this in the thread what was the what's the backstory in the chechen Caddy revites. Yeah, so it, it's funny because you have like this war within a war. So uh, I would say like a, a a Chechen on Chechen thing breaking out within uh, the battle. But those specific elements are very pro. Uh, I, I would say pro FBS, but so more aligned with you know Russia and I, I would say like the elements that are on the ground there because you haven't seen very much of like the Wagner group or any other like paramilitary forces operating in, in Ukraine. And the yet. Wagner group is what? Like just a, I would a say band like, of like mercenaries from Russia that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Par paramilitary organization uh, from Russia that more uh, specifically like within the last five years has been conducting almost all of like the Russian supported, you know, Russian support to Syrian regime uh, ground offenses in in Syria. It's totally off books. Like, hey, we're gonna farm this out. To I mean, as off books as you can with you like, while you still have like Russian like cargo planes landing and like giving them supplies and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, you haven't seen too much of them. But uh, so this the the Chechen on Chechen fight. You have elements from the 
you know, multiple offensives that Russia has conducted on Chechens, they have basically, you know, and those people are still up in arms and pissed off at Russia because they, they want to be their own thing. They have now pledged allegiance to Ukraine and are supporting the Ukrainian military. Then you have the Katyrovites and more Ru- uh, Russia in line or supported also on the ground. And it's like, again, like all war within the war of like some, you know, the Katyrovites are like some pretty heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, but like not being able to overcome or really make too many large movements. And I would say based off of like the complete breakdown again of like the supply chain we saw and everybody talked about like the 40 mile convoy of Russian vehicles. that was yeah. like basically stalled out and like what would happen? It, it took for forever and it finally just like stopped in place uh, because like the front vehicle would like overheat and break down. And that would, go around that would cause like, like two lane road daisy chain reaction. Like they would all try to leapfrog it. And then like that next vehicle, something would happen. You're like, oh man, like what is going on here? That's a pretty big target, huh? Very big. And like I brought up the radiator situation. So what you see is like uh, Russian elements, like, you know, cutting down trees and basically building like homemade grill guards of logs in the front of their, their these Russian uh, military vehicles in order to protect the radiators are like, yo, the, yo dog, like, that's not working. You see uh, just some other wild homemade looking vehicles that are kind of moving about trying to carry personnel. But, you know, my whole thing with this is like, it, it sucks because it's, it's very, I wouldn't say so much like World War II, more like what I imagine World War One being of like the absolute lack of uh medical support it's like you know tons of like if these russian russian fighter gets shot like he's he's he's, out there in the field like yeah yeah he's gonna try to get support from the locals and like you see videos of like ukrainian locals just being like hell no man like you invaded us like this is it like you're dead and either like you know finishing them off or just letting people die you know out in the field there's there's no there's no aid or no north spot for them what i noticed that was interesting specifically here yesterday uh was day one of press conferences for the players and i was shocked at the amount of the amount of questions that uh not only uh commissioner was asked but like other players specifically like justin thomas and, and questions about like one of his sponsors being like, you know, Citibank mm-hmm. and them still like, I don't think they've turned off like access to like the, the, you know, people using Citibank cards in Russia still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's just funny, like to see like, you know, everybody cares about this. People are, you know, the PJ tour are wearing ribbons this week in support of, Which you know, standing with, they've you, never done anything with, like, with Ukraine yeah, remotely. Right. Like that. And, uh, and then you see like you know these people who who play golf for a living and like you know for for the commissioner like you know involved in like a large business yeah and and has sponsors and and things that are tied up and they know that like in the business world there's multiple effects of this felt throughout but like the questions of like 
so what are you what are you doing about it and you're just kind of like uh yeah like we stand with the people that were crane like what what else do you want me to I, say i think the one thing that the you know it's probably on the tour like the onus is on the tour to just probably dissolve the relationship with hsbc and and the wgc in that, china that would probably be a good that start. seems like you know that's probably yeah. their biggest blind spot right now yep. and otherwise like you know after because that you know that's kind of like where the whataboutism comes from too with yes russia and saudi arabia and all that and it's like all right well you know like you're you, obviously this is a you know a tournament you haven't had this tournament in two or three years like kind of proven you can live without it you know right. yeah so. uh, a, a couple uh you know very inspiring pieces out on kind of what is is starting to be like the ukrainian like golf association and some junior players that are mm -hmm. there and and golf the few golf courses that they have but like you know them kind of feeling the the effects of it i know that specifically the one junior golf that's played in like u.s junior am and and a lot of other international events who are who's still you know with his family stuck in kiev and you just hope that the best is there um kind of what we saw at the beginning of of syria with isis is a somewhat like makeshift makeshift call at the time from the sdf for international support from military veterans but with ukraine it was like an all call like show up at the embassy and we will enlist you we need your help we need your expertise and and i my little brother had a friend who went to syria uh to support the SDF and fight alongside. And I remember like thinking like, man, like you just, that's the biggest risk uh, I could ever like uh, imagine because there's literally no support. You're, you're, you're just going out on a limb and doing it. But if you're called to it, I guess good for you. But we're talking about like, you know, hundreds of thousands of international volunteers now traveling mm -hmm. uh, on the business side. We brought up Airbnb earlier. Um, I say this because my wife works kind of in some international uh, risk management security solutions side of the world to say uh, the least, but uh, has close ties with Airbnb and, you know, just like uh, a lot of the refugees getting out of Afghanistan, Airbnb has done a tremendous, tremendous job, not only uh, raising funds, but providing uh you know, homes for refugees that are now continuing to displace themselves across Eastern Europe, moving into mainland Europe. Um, and then, you know, we'll see what the, the trickle down effect of it is, is probably another large influx of, of refugees that will settle into America. So um, again, some really good large organizations that you don't really think um ever supporting something like this of, of you know generating massive amounts of dollars uh to help out a, a very good cause hey one thing i i wanted to ask you cody is i don't know like a delicate way to put this so i guess i'll just ask it straight out is does this situation in ukraine this war in ukraine it, it's not a situation uh does it merit more of our attention and sympathy than other situations that have been in wars that have been ongoing all across the globe. I, I, I just think like one of the paths I've found myself going down in reflection is just, I find myself 
turn it on CNN in the evening. Like I, I legitimately like look for and, and read about, right. Uh, updates on Ukraine. Um, I think part of that is like, it just seems like such a, a worthy fight that the Ukrainians are in. Um, there, there's such like a clear good and bad. Um, and then I also find myself like reflecting why I didn't feel this way about what was going on in Syria necessarily, or what's still going on in Yemen and, and all these other places. I mean, it's a good question. Yeah. Like, like I know reasons, right? Like there are a lot of obvious reasons, but, but I guess what I'm asking you is like, is this materially different than what, what's going on in other places around the world right now? Yeah, very, very, very much so. Um, and I'd say the key difference here is that this is actual like state versus state conflict. The other ones that you cited, you know, the in Yemen, the Yemen, Ye Yemeni government is like dissolved. They're uh, they attempt to align themselves um, on one side, but you continue to see that not really be the case. And then specifically with Syria, if you look at the very beginning of the Arab Spring, it was the Syrian regime versus basically a bunch of like rightfully so pissed off like Syrian nationals. Like it was a true revolution. That's not the case here. This is an actual um, incursion into an occupation, into an, uh, an attempted complete overthrow and takeover by another foreign government um, against a foreign government. Uh, and, it, you know, there's no, like, proxies involved or, you know, second-hand events or elements uh, that are, like, the, the leading, um, you know, the leading cause that the international world is trying to support. It's state-on-state. It's, state. it's Ukraine versus Russia. It is as cut and dry as it can possibly be. Now, in this year of 2022, we're also aided a lot by, you know, specifically in Western media, we see we are going to naturally receive um, now more pro-Ukrainian uh, media. And that and that's kind of weird because I think in the last like eight years, we've we've been a lot of talk and discussion of like how much Russia controls the media narrative in you know their ongoing uh like information operations and everything else like that this is not the case just because the over overwhelming amount of support and you'll notice yourself if you're on social media or anything else like you know your cookies and your algorithms will naturally align uh with what you know they feel like you're more it's like a into, feedback loop right? very much yeah. um so, yeah, I would say that's the key difference there and why maybe you don't feel uh, that way. When, when the United States got involved in Syria, like we got involved and still like if you think about it, like we aligned ourselves uh, with like the the, you know, Kurdish aligned forces. But like we didn't align ourselves with the Syrian rebels we definitely didn't align ourselves with like the Syrian government, like the Assad regime. Um, and that's because honestly, at the time, like we attempted to align ourselves with the, with the Syrian rebels. Like if you look at the Arab spring and like, 
you can trace it back to like, you know, the events in Libya, specifically like in Benghazi of why, what was that operation they're doing? Like they were, they were gathering and moving weapons to Syrian rebels in Syria. But ultimately we realized like as, as Al Nusra front at the time, what they're, what they're called, like when they align themselves with Syrian regime, like, whoa, like we can't, like we're not supporting like a terrorist organization here. So basically, the goal of Syria was just state. to like just calm the situation down. Not just, just calm the situation, but that was like the first time of like him. President Obama being like, remember like the red line, and then like, oh, we had another red line, and then oh shit, like by the way, there's another red line of like, yo, how long are we gonna let like Assad get away with a lot? You can't of this just stuff? gas your own people like, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And like, by the way, that's still going on. Like operations in Yemen still very much going on. Um, what you see now is that like, yeah, this is at like the front page of every newspaper. It's on your Twitter feed. It's on, you know, every major news broadcast. So whatever TV show you're watching, this is going to lead. What I brought up the year 2022 is because like, you know, there's documentaries based on Ukraine and specifically what happened in Crimea and like the powers, if you watch winter on fire, like the power and the support of Ukraine and like they, they made that specifically to target like Westerners um, and did a tremendous job by doing it. But like, that's why we feel the way that we feel now, rightfully so, but there are big differences. And I, and I know there's a lot of uh, confusion and everything else going on and i've heard you know in the media they've done a, a crazy job of like openly stating like there's people that like go on tv and say this feels closer and i feel more affected by this because like you're getting to right? the point europe where it's like versus, not just yeah. europe but like getting to the point of being like because these people look, look like, like me, me. yeah which is so messed up. Yeah. Like, that is not what this is. Like, yo, that's like as racist as you possibly can be. The biggest issue here on the humanitarian side is that, like, unlike Syria, unlike Yemen, all those people who are being displaced there, like, there was nothing on the United States side. Like, where could we go? Like, for Syria, when all these, like, when local civilians tried to flee the country and they attempted to spill over into Turkey, Turkey built a fence at the mm -hmm. border to keep them in Syria. So then you saw like NATO on, member Turkey yeah, yeah. being like, yeah. don't come here. Yeah. It, it's just, it's bad. So it created large refugee camps. So then they started spilling South into Jordan. There's massive, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not uh, millions of people in the northern desert of Jordan um, that, like, are, are still sitting there because, number one, the, U the U.S., Jordan's taking very, very good care of them. I'll say that. But number two, like, the, the U.S. doesn't really have a, a place to, to put them. The humanitarian situation is different. But, like, I'll openly call out and say, like, the people who are looking at it different because those people look like you, like, that's so fucked. Yeah. I mean, it's what matters it's and what like makes the worst it different. element of human nature, right? Yes. What yeah. matters and what makes it different is because, like, we actually have supported countries around 
mm-hmm. Ukraine that are in a position that can help, are willing to help, and help the the com- international community assist and actually. Well, also it's it's and it calls back like I think the reason I said Europe like it's, it feels closer because it's Europe. I think from a historical perspective as well, going back to the Cold War of like everybody's kind of preconditioned to you know still calling back to the 80s even into the 90s of yeah. like hey there's a slow creep of the soviet union you yeah. have the two different spheres and one of those spheres you know starts to to bleed into poland or germany or that sort of thing yep. the western world freaks out you know god it's so messed up so, yeah the big like i i understand what you're saying um it's, it's like one of the, the ultimate like it's just everybody has is riding high i noticed this at the beginning like you guys know like i'm i follow all this stuff and i notice quickly probably after 48 hours post the initial like invasion they're like yo i had to check out and in our like you know we have multiple slack channels going on all the time and and i would send updates and and things like that and i would post some things that i believe are credible sources of information on social media and and things that i look out for and then it got to the point where even like me like the the mental side of it and like i'm not a i have like a dude on the front lines like it begins to weigh on you well i My, think the fucked up part too is like it's you know you, you see pretty pretty transparently that war sells right yeah and from the media perspective like you know when you flip on cnn or fox news or msnbc yeah. or even you know npr or pbs like ratings are higher right and they're you know they're selling their ad rates are higher yep. and they're, they're making more revenue you know yeah 100 percent. and they build like these kind of like fictional characters like the the first week was the 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 ghost of kiev, of kiev. Yeah. Yeah. like this magical fighter pilot who had already broken like the you know the world record for most down uh you know for russian jets from air to air battle which like just turned out to be completely false where did that narrative start from like it it you know there is enough here to rally support around uh just by how incredibly horrible the situation is and and directly pointed at fucking vladimir putin uh to like get the world to rally around you don't need to make crazy claims just to to get a couple more clicks or views yeah. or sell ads big anything else uh, no i think that's um i i think that's well stated i i think cody to your point i i think it's just something we can hopefully i'll do uh personally not to you know not to get sappy uh we 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 are unserious a lot of times on the trap draw but i guess sincerely um just just consider people trying to get into this country too right and and the situation and and what we want this country our our country the united states to be like uh i think one thing i'm always proud and and look forward to every day should be saturday um or old every day should be saturday but spencer does his fundraising for new american pathways and i've proudly donated to that uh and you know, I, I think if nothing else, Ukraine should should really bring to the forefront just the plight of of refugees and and how we as people and a society can do best by them and and kind of live the values that we want America and 
decent society to be about. I think this conflict has, has really made me, you know, think about that and has, has brought that to the forefront for me, which uh, in like a small silver lining, uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm glad it has. I, I think I need to be reminded of that stuff. Guys, can we, can, can we close it with something inherently unserious? <laughs> yeah, please, please. Breaking news, hot off the wire. Uh, just received a text. The, the Washington Commanders, I think I got that right this time, trading for <laughs> Indianapolis Colts QB Carson Wentz. Uh, this, this is one of the single dumbest trades I've ever seen. <laughs> they're picking up uh, the entire $28 million due to Wentz, and they're giving up third-round picks in 2022 and 2023. That and and those picks become, I guess the the twenty twenty three third uh, third rounder can become a second rounder if if Wentz plays more than seventy percent of the snaps this year. Hmm. Like that's 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 remarkable. Like is Wentz that better that much better than Heineke? Like like I don't know. Just like I thought that they were doing new things with Pusha's boy Martin Mahue and and uh, you know the whole. Ron Rivera regime there, but I mean, kudos to Chris Ballard. Yeah, the, right. guy, the guy continues to defy <laughs> explanation and, and do stuff that I didn't even think was possible. So, well, thank you for that, Tron. Oh, great, great way to end the trap draw. I, uh, say, I figured we needed to end on a, yeah, yeah. On a high note, you know, for sure. Cody, so. uh, once again, very privileged and, and honored that you're a part of our team and you're somebody that, you know, we can turn to and you allow us to ask all our questions. And a lot of them I'm sure are stupid questions or um, things that, you know, maybe we should know, but you're, you're very nice and you're very patient and you're, you're very uh, open with us and, and also the listeners. So thank you for that. Thanks, Betty. I appreciate it. Crack on. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who